Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. Our goal is to take questions from our church family and try to answer them from a biblical worldview. Today, uh, we've got Doug Melton, our lead pastor, Randy Woodall, our pastor of missions and evangelism, and I am Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of young adults. And all of us serve the Lord's Church locally here at Southern Hills Baptist Church. And guys, we just finished Mother's Day weekend. And just a curiosity question, how was Mother's Day weekend? It was excellent. I think I probably gained four pounds, so I'm all There's in good favor. eating. Oh, man, we ate, uh, ate like kings and queens, but it was it was really good. It was really good. Awesome. I would say for us, this is probably one of the more special ones, and it's because my wife has not had the opportunity to see her sons, even the ones who live, two of them live nearby, yeah. Didn't even, couldn't even see them, and so we got to see them, and then I would say special for me with my mom in that it had to be by FaceTime because uh, she is in a memory center and, yeah. uh, and uh, but it was a good talk and yeah yeah so awesome good. we uh, laid tile in a space that that my wife Jenny had hadn't been wanting so that was fun and then we went to the grandmothers and we had made puzzles of the grandkids faces because we knew what would be more fun than putting together the kids' faces. <laughs> and actually, we did that with them. It was it actually was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. That, that'd be cool to make them with interchangeable parts. Yeah, <laughs> so we were constantly like, has anybody seen Hannah's eye? You know, that kind of thing. So it was good. All right, so we're going to start out, Doug, with your question for today, which is, how do I forgive someone for something evil? Boy, uh you know, Daniel, because I, I got to be your dean of students at right. OBU. Right. And uh, <laughs> this rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I would go back and say that of all the counseling that I got to do as dean of students, and then even now today as a pastor, probably one of the number one issues that we deal with and get to talk with folks about is forgiveness, mm -hmm. uh, even to the point where. Every time I get to do a premarital counseling with a couple, that the very last session that I have with them, I say there's, there's two things that, that you've got to do in your marriage. One, pray for each other. And two, practice forgiveness. And, and I say to that couple, if you'll pray for each other and practice forgiveness with each other, you'll be far down the road mm. in having, having a great and, and godly marriage. Yeah, and absolutely. so, yeah, so it's just vitally important and, and so when I get to share with someone about uh, forgiving and and Daniel man uh, a lot of times at OBU it was a student who now at the age of 1920 was thinking about marriage right. or ministry and they are wrestling with something that happened to them from the past from when they were 11 or 12 years old oftentimes a relative and uh and so the verse of scripture that i would always take them to is ephesians 4 32 and that verse says be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you and and that's the key forgiving each other as God, and so Paul uses, oh, in the Greek there, he's writing a, 
just like, mm-hmm. just like God in Christ forgave you. Well, how did God in Christ forgive me? Well, a lot of times whenever we're holding a grudge against someone uh, and, and we don't want to forgive them, a lot of times what Satan is telling us is you're going to be able to exact your pound of flesh by not forgiving them. You don't forgive them, and boy, it will punish them, and it will make them sorry for what they did. Yeah. And so don't forgive them, and you're going to really exact your pound of flesh. And what we're doing at that point, though, is we are we're, we're rendering in vain the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hmm. It was his pound of flesh it was not just a pound it was he gave himself up and so in Christ in Christ I have to understand that all my sins have been forgiven I don't need to exact my pound of flesh from someone Jesus Christ gave his life yeah and that it can be forgiven in Christ the penalty has been paid and and also then as god in christ forgave me well i have to remember if i were to try to go back let's say that each one of us could go back in our minds to that first age when we were fully aware i i have rebelled against god a lot of times we call it the age of accountability let's say that was eight years old and somehow we could go back to that point of eight years old and start writing down every sinful thought we ever had in our lives and then we wrote down every sinful word that's ever come out of our mouth and then we wrote down every sinful action we've ever committed but wait we're we're, because we're still not done yet because then I need to go back to eight years old and write down every time I knew to do right and didn't do it yeah because that's a sin the sin of omission Mm -hmm. and if I could fill up walls and walls and walls of of every sin that I've committed up to this point right now and realize and then realize every sin that I ever would commit and that Jesus Christ has forgiven all that. And now what he's calling me to is to take that one area that someone has sinned against me. And I am not saying it's a little thing. But I am saying, in comparison to all that God has forgiven me, he's now calling me to forgive that person. And, and it is not, when we forgive someone, sometimes people think it is, so I'm just supposed to set them free and just act like this never happened. No, that's not it at all. Because again, grace is not cheap, as, as Bonhoeffer right. said. It cost my Savior his life. And so I'm not just saying, I'm not excusing it. I'm not exempting it. We're not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's okay. Instead, I'm saying I understand Jesus Christ died on the cross and that in Christ, just as he forgave me, out of that forgiveness, forgiven people forgive people out of that forgiveness that I've experienced, I can now say to that person, I forgive you. And uh, it's one of the hardest things to ever, ever do. But boy, uh, how freeing it is to, to forgive. Yeah. 
That's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything, Randy, you want to add? No, I can't think of anything better than what he just shared. But uh, yeah, and and just that aspect of forgiving isn't all about the other person. Forgiving helps me to heal. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know, the Lord taught us that uh, you know that we're to forgive as we're forgiven, and that's not just because the other person deserves. It's because it's part of being who God, who Christ wants that's me good, to be. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's good. And, and, and Daniel, I would add this last thing. I started to say well, uh, that it's not that you're setting them free. You're not saying, I, you know, okay, I guess I just act like this is okay. But instead, when you forgive that person, you're turning them over to God. Yeah, that's you're right. placing them in God's hands. Their sin is between them and, and God now. God, I, I forgive. And so now, you're taking it out of your hands into his. Placing, I place them into your hands, Lord. They, they need justice in their life, mm-hmm. just like I need justice. In my, I, they need mercy. They need grace, just like I need all those things. And so, God, I can't do justice, and I, I can't do what is just, but you can. And so I, I give that person to you. And it lets your life be defined by grace rather than by pain. And that's and and so many people, like I said, in counseling or in other situations, they they let their lives be be defined by the hurt that's been inflicted on them Man, and, that's and, so and true. as victims. And forgiving through Christ allows grace to give you a victory to live as a victor over pain rather than a victim of pain. And that's so true because uh, I can't remember who said it, but. Uh, to not forgive someone is like drinking poison and thinking you'll make the other person sick. Right. And uh, when we are holding that grudge, we're holding on to anger, and it is eating away at, at us. It is, it's making us sick. Okay. Randy, your question is, how much should I enjoy creation without worshiping the creation rather than the creator? like Romans 125 talks about. I can't think of a more perfect question for Randy. (laughs) (laughs) If Randy could move his office outdoors. (laughs) In a tree somewhere. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Uh, No, it really is a great question. And and it's a question that most of us struggle with at some point, Uh, whether it's, you know, I enjoy hunting and fishing. I enjoy being outside with my family or hiking or sports or anything like that. Uh, and, and really, it's a, it's a question of, of like most pleasurable things. It's a question of idolatry. Right. It's a question of does this become something I covet, something I desire, and something that ultimately begins to interfere with my relationship uh, with the Lord. Now, very quickly, a couple of things to observe about creation. There is nothing sinful in creation itself. In yeah. fact, it's a gift from God. Genesis 1 even tells us that when God made the garden, he made it pleasing to the sight of men mm-hmm. and to provide food. So creation has a purpose. Its purpose is is it, it's pleasing to us. It provides us. It's, a pro, it's providential. You know, our food comes from mm-hmm. uh, creation. Uh, but uh, Romans also tells us that part of it is to is to help convict us and and remind us that there is a creator. Right. You know, Romans one says that that none has excuse because in creation they can see the God who who loved them mm-hmm. and who made them. 
but uh, but of course most of us understand it best through the Psalms. Uh, you know, where where we're told that that the heavens declare God's glory. Mm-hmm. You know, when I surveyed the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars that thou hast ordained, I think of man, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou would love him. You know, we we look at creation and and part of its purpose is to remind us that God really is good and yeah. loving and and so resourceful and creative. It's just so Creation has a wonderful purpose, and it's probably, I mean, it's a tremendous gift that, that God has given us. But the, the, the caller, or the, whoever sent the question in, you know, his question was, how do I avoid the pitfall of becoming too uh, covetous, uh, covetous of this, yeah. that, that yeah. I desire it more than I should? And so I think, first off, God really doesn't put a limit to our pleasure. You know, I mean, that's a, to me, that's a misconception about God's character, that God only wants us to enjoy up to a certain point, and if you cross that line, it's sinful. Well, no. I mean, our relationship with God is a relationship of undefinable love. It's a, it is a pleasurable, a pleasant thing to be in God's mm-hmm. presence and to be in, in, in the presence of God's creation. So it's there to enjoy. But if I take my enjoyment of it down a path that puts me in conflict with God's word, okay? Let me give you just some concrete examples. If I find myself struggling over the fact that I desire more to be out fishing on Sunday morning than in the house of the Lord worshiping, then, then I, may be, I, I may be idolizing my time with creation. Yeah. We've all heard a million yeah. people say, oh, I don't go to church because the outdoors is my cathedral. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not scriptural. That's that's not scriptural. We're told that we're to gather together. Uh, we're to, to uh, honor a day that's the Lord's day. And uh, and so you conflict that. If you find yourself spending so much money on mm-hmm. your your hobby, your sport, your out, your pleasure of being outdoors, that you're not tithing, you're not giving like you're supposed to the Lord. Those are things that, that put your love of the outdoors or your love of, of creation in, in conflict. If you find that it takes so much time that it's consuming your other duties, you know, the Lord put Adam and Eve in a garden that was pleasurable beyond description, but he also said, now work the garden. This is to be your, you're to have dominion over it, you're to subdue it, exactly. And so when pleasure begins to draw us away from our other duties, whether that's work or even if it's the duty of being a good husband, a Mm -hmm. good spouse, uh, uh, you know, a good uh, neighbor, because, you know, we're, we're always gone fishing or hunting are those the ones that are uh, come to my mind because those I, are the ones yeah, I, I keep I hearing those. yeah those come to, in a kind of a recurring <laughs> theme there it's funny i never say man i just love mowing the lawn so much it's interfering with my time with family no, those no, blades no, of grass not, yeah 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 so but and the other thing i say a, a good a good point a, a biblical point is if losing it if the thought of not being able to in to to enjoy this, whatever it is that pleases you about nature and about being outside, about creation. If losing it seems like something that would cause such pain and anguish that that you would be bitter about it, then it's probably crossed over into a, into idolatry. 
you know, like I said, we just it helps if you just remember that we creation was given to us to enjoy mm-hmm. and we're supposed to enjoy it. But when we if we enjoy it in a selfish or a self-serving way, then we've lost the real purpose of it. And I might add the pleasure gained from creation, from enjoying creation in a self-serving way is not nearly as enjoyable or wonderful as the pleasure of enjoying it in a, in a godly way. Yeah. I, I can think of a time when uh, my son Thomas and I were driving with you out to go hunting, not necessarily bagging anything <laughs> that day, but hunting just because we're not that great at it. And in the, in the drive to and from, just the topic of God's creation really pointing back at him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a natural thing to talk about because that's how good it is. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why we find pleasure in creation Mm -hmm. because we were, we're intended to, we were created as part of his, we are part of his creative handiwork. And so uh, we enjoy everything that God has created for us, but like all things, you know, the, the moderation of enjoying it the way God intended it to be used is the, the balance point. One quick side note question. Would you say those all those things you just mentioned also would apply to the things that can be made from the resources of creation? I mean, oh, yeah. you know, just technology, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and really it can be replied to, to just pleasure or enjoyment in general. Yeah. You know, too many people feel like, that God is just a, is that that the commandments, the teachings of Scripture, are to keep us from enjoying life. Mm-hmm. When nothing, I mean, it's exactly the opposite of that. We find our greatest sense of pleasure and enjoyment in fulfilling God's word and living the lifestyle that God created us to live. That's when we where we really uh, have the greatest sense of fulfillment, uh, and and. The others, the other is just a distortion, a, a lie that tries to make us believe that this it would be more that, that that enjoying something outside of God's will is more pleasurable than jo- enjoying it inside yeah. of God's will, and that's never the case. It's really good. I, we we have a jealous God, yeah, and mm-hmm. that is a wonderful thing because it's a good jealousy, and the reason that. Uh, our our God is jealous, and it's a good jealousy. It's because we belong to Him. That's right, and that's the most important thing to remember. And so that's why He doesn't want our supreme love going to anything else besides Him, because we belong to Him. And I love our state song as much as the next guy, <laughs> but you know, we belong to the land is right. what we sing in that right. song. Well, no, I belong to God, mm-hmm. and I get what the song is saying. You know, we belong to the land, and the land we belong to is grand. I get that, but I know I belong to God. He's the one who made me, That's and right. my supreme love goes to Him. And the land belongs to God. It, I mean, it all <laughs> right. belongs to Him. That's right. good. That's good. <laughs> okay, uh, the question I've got is, what does it mean that humans are made in the image of God, and how can I honor the image of God in others? So the, the where this this term first comes up uh, is right there in Genesis one. We may have said it before on this podcast, but it's super interesting how many foundational truths come out of not only the whole book of Genesis, but even the first three chapters. And so right here in Genesis chapter one, twenty six and twenty seven, 
Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so just a few things about this image of God. It's humans only that God made this way. Not the sun, moon, stars, or galaxies with all of their wonder were made in the image of God. Not the earth with all its resources like like Randy was just talking about. Even as great as that is, the earth is not made in the image of God. Not the animal kingdom with all its diversity and just intriguing things. Not even the angels are created in the, in the image of God. And angels are pretty cool. I mean, angels are pretty incredible, mm-hmm. but, but not in the image of God. So this means humans are the crown of God's creation, the only creatures made in the image of the Creator. Um, so this is not, sometimes we think about image and we think physical. It really isn't about physical appearance, as in we have a nose like God and eyes like God, ears, hands, feet like His, um, because John 4 tells us that God is spirit. Uh, not not with a material body uh, in that sense. However, I mean, I think you could say that some of those our physical features do represent parts of God's nature. Our eyes that see, they, they do remind us that God sees. In fact, He sees all. Uh, our ears remind us that He hears, you know, all these kinds of things. His hands that He works, all of these things. But, but really, it's more about character attributes that we're the, in the image of God. We're and maybe the simplest way to say it is we're in his image, meaning that we were created to, to reflect and represent God. Mm-hmm. Um, reflect him in the sense that we should be mirrors, little, little tiny mirrors of his character, reflecting back at him. That's good. Um, and, and, and represent him in the sense that he has given us a certain amount of delegated authority and responsibility. And so, so we're made kind of like a coin. Like if we look at a quarter, uh, we see the image of George Washington. Um, it's not George Washington, but we just see a, a little reflection of him, a reminder of him. And it also represents not necessarily him, but it represents the government that issued the coin that I can use that coin in a meaningful way. Uh, there's some delegated authority that goes with it. Um, and, and in those ways, we reflect and represent God. Um, we reflect Him in some of our moral aspects, spiritual, mental capabilities, relational aspects. I think that in all of these ways, we're different than the animal kingdom. But relational aspect, I think, is one where we really are show even the difference from the angels, because uh, for one thing, marriage, Jesus says, is not given to the angels uh, like it's given to humans. And and that's because we're to actually reflect in our marriages, not that everyone has to be married, but in the marriages that we have, we're supposed to represent Christ in the church. Uh, and, and we're to, to strive for that. Um, but also in creative work, we reflect him. He is a God who works 
And just like you guys have said, we're, we're given create creative work to do. And when we do, whether it's art, whether it's industry, whether it's a trade, whatever it is, we get to reflect him. But what are some of the ways we represent him? We should be stewards of his creation, especially planet Earth. I don't think that means we can't explore the galaxies. Um, we can't explore the moon. We can't explore Mars. I don't think it means any of that. But most specifically, we are supposed to steward the Earth. Um, and we're like little deputies um, with delegated authority and responsibility. I used to wonder, like, how, why is it? I see so many cars with the name sheriff on it. I thought there was only one sheriff. I thought we elected one. And, and then it dawned on me, these are sheriff's deputies. They represent him where they are, and they have delegated authority where they are as, as representing the sheriff. But, and, and in those ways, we're like little deputies on the earth to, to represent God and and we're to rule on his behalf, to tend and to keep the garden, so to speak, in accordance with his character over the created order that he has, he's actually placed it under us. That's what the Bible says. It's under us, and we're to, we're to rule it in ways that reflect him and represent him. So the last part of the question was, how do I honor the image of God in others? Because they are image bearers, whether they're Christian or not non-Christian. That's right. And so how do I honor that? Here's a few things. We should treat people with true dignity, even when they are different uh, than I am, even when I strongly disagree with them. And I'll be honest with you, I think this is one of the biggest things in our current climate, and I don't just mean during the pandemic, I just mean in the time in history we are. Right now we're in a place where most people assume if you disagree with me, you must hate me. We know that's not true, but we, I think as Christians, need to set the pace at what it looks like to genuinely, strongly disagree, but through our actions, let people know, man, I I have not written you off. Like, I, I still want the best for you. I'll still help you in your yard. I'll still do whatever I can, you know, whatever it is, but I want to, I love you. I don't hate you. I disagree, but but I want to honor you as an image bearer of God. Um we need to appreciate the good work of others, whether it's artistic work, whether it's whatever work it is. If it's good work, we should say, man, that was good. Uh, we should seek justice for others as image bearers of God, um, not just justice for ourselves, but justice for them, especially when they've been treated unjustly. We should use things and love people. Um, when we get that backwards, we start to dehumanize people. Um, God has given us things, just like Randy said, uh, that we can produce from the earth, and we're to enjoy those things. We're to use things. We're not to use people. We're to love people. And, and when we get it backwards, we really disrespect the image of God in them. Pornography is not the only issue here, but that's one easy place where it's, we can say, man, what starts to happen in, in, the, in the looking at, at pornographic images is we we start to use people. We start to see people as just something, an object to use, not a person to care for. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, uh, to, to respect the image of God and others, we need to look out for the good uh, of others, look out for their good, especially their eternal good uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Um, we want their physical good. We want their emotional good, their mental good. But the greatest good for any human being is eternal good. It can only come through the gospel. And so not that every conversation can go that way, but whenever it can and whenever I have the opportunity, that's the greatest good I could do for someone. Yeah, good word. I like it. Okay. Well, uh, hey, we just want you guys to know that we are so thankful that, that you've listened to the podcast. Thanks, you guys, always for conversation. Jeremy, we thank you big time for producing this thing. And uh, please know, we would love to have your questions. You can submit them in three ways. You can go to myshbc.com slash contact. You can text 505-258-2076, or you can email me, Daniel S at myshbc.com. All questions will be kept anonymous. And remember, the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions. Mm-hmm.